now that we're we're doing this new improved segment, it's a bit earlier in the day, uh, 11 p.m. There's probably going to be a few children listening, so management have told me that uh, there's going to be a bit of de- a delay. So five minutes after we say things, it'll actually be broadcast, and that's so. You know, if we say something offensive, they can you know edit it out in advance. Yeah. For example, a quick word about the Catholic Church. And that's why I'm no longer welcome in Canada, you know what I mean? <laughs> Sean, um, you might have got back just in time for a very special day um, on the Australian calendar. It's Are You OK Day. Right. It's, a, it's also known as one of the best opportunities to randomly approach attractive girls at train stations. <laughs> do, you think, um, do you think the best answer you can get if you do approach an attractive girl at a train station asking her if she's okay, is no. No, I'm not okay. I need help. Because if she says, yeah, I'm fine, mate, don't worry about it, then you kind of have to leave. So you're basically depending upon her being like mentally ill or at least unhappy. What am I saying? No, I'm saying that, look, I, uh, I was at work and it was Are You Okay Day. A lot of posters around the place. And I noticed there was a colleague of, of mine who was eating some crumpets on their lonesome. They were sitting in the, the, the breakout area and they were eating some crumpets by themselves and I noticed they looked a little bit dejected, a little bit subdued. So I gathered up a few colleagues, About there was about 20, 25 of us, and we, <laughs> we, we wandered over and we said, Hi, uh, Derek, are you okay? And he said, I, yeah, I'm okay. And we said, no, Derek, we just... You look a bit dejected. You look a bit subdued. Are you okay? And he said, yeah, I'm I'm okay. And I said, Derek, you can talk to us, okay? And he was like, yeah, thanks. And I said, Derek, we were crowded around him. And we said, Derek, you can tell us anything. And he thought for a bit and he finally just broke down. Erupted into tears and said, it's the f- in Chinese! <laughs> the f- in Chinese! There's too many of them in Australia! And we said, Oh, 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 Derek, Derek, you can't, well, you can't tell us that. And he said, The f***ing women in the workforce! There's <laughs> too many women in the workforce. We said, oh, no, you can't say that, Derek. And uh, there were 20, 25 of us saying, look, oh, sh- why did we ask him? Why the hell did we ask him? Yeah, the perils of Are You OK Day. Hey, 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 man, over here. What you got, what you got, what you got? I got a pirated bootleg of the last a decanter of banter episode. Which one? Which episode you got? I got the first two seasons. This the third season. This the one where he defames George Columbaris so bad that George Columbaris storms the studio and glasses him. There is also an unfortunate sharting incident. Okay, okay, I'm good for the money. Just put it here in my C-Demon and let's test how it sounds. How do you do? Sounds good. Good evening, Southeast Queensland. G'day, g'day, g'day. Usually it's a good morning, but not today. Yeah, it's late night. Yes, thank you. You might re- recognise a, a familiar voice there. It's our old friend Mitch Reynolds. Hey, how are we all? We're doing extremely well. Uh, all the better for seeing you. And to your left here, an unexpected guest. I bumped into him at the local. Introduce yourself. Come on, you're getting, you're getting stage fright. Good name's Carl and uh, House Tricks. Ah. (laughs) It's been a very controversial greeting. Ironically, he's been in London. He comes back with a New Zealand greeting. That's fantastic. No, 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 no. It's Australian. It's Australian from the 70s, mate. Then riddle me why. He's Australian and he's made it up overseas, so that's what he's claiming. Because tricks, tricks means business. Tricks is an old term for business. And so it's like, how's business? How are things? How's it going? You're turning tricks, you're turning business. Business tricks going high. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> 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 On behalf of everyone in Southeast Queensland, Carl. <laughs> 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 
He's been over there playing lager pong, eating <laughs> pies for breakfast, lunch, and tea and dessert. I know exactly what you're playing at. It's trick. It's gin eye pong, mate. You yeah. go over to London and you up your you up your Australia game by 25. percent You thicken your accent to get girls because the truth of the matter is, when you go to London, there are so many Australians over there that no one really cares. <laughs> oh, you got to turn up, mate. You got to turn up. Yeah. Say things like truth, truth, oh, uh, yeah. You know those words are myths. The only people who say truth are Australians in London and fair income. And they probably drink fosters too. <laughs> fair income drinking fosters, mate. That's, yeah. That was my two years. Yeah, of course. They live yeah. in suburban Carindale, <laughs> and then they go to they go to America or London. They're dropping truth in fair income like it's 1999, and they still catch the train to Capalaba every day. Capalaba. <laughs> Decaf, please. <laughs> uh, well, a very special occasion. I believe we were a better hour, and I thought I'd use this special occasion to raise a lot of good money for a really good cause. So the three of us tonight, we're all wearing pink to raise money for female lawyers. I, I said to Carl, I think Ocean Party is the the best band you will see for free mm. in Brisbane. Like, that, that's like their market rate. You know, that's this is no so charity. It was for free. That's so. It good. was a free, and that was market. That was market rate. You know what I mean? Like, like th- their competition is like the, the white guy playing the didgeridoo at the at the Noosa markets. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> that's their competition. Like that, that was free. That was good. And we, and another world too. Were you playing some video games in the background? Playing no, some pong, l- luckily. Some well, last time I went to a gig there, there were people playing video games the whole time. So you're trying to, in between the chords, you're hearing ding ding ding. Keep it down, tell yeah. me the high score. <laughs> this poker machine's not working. <laughs> but uh, but I, I say it was, this is a good idea. All right, so this is a great business plan. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people who probably jump on this. Have a free gig, have a great band, free gig, but then charge exit fee. So $15 to exit the gig. And so either get on and just play, you know, Eiffel 65 hits or just start a fire and then just charge people $15 to exit. <laughs> Lock the fire doors. You ain't getting out to your pay yeah. up. <laughs> yes. So, um, but I, 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 Netherworld, vegan pub, iconic. Vegan pub. It's How a vegan pub. is it a vegan pub? I mean, obviously the, the, the food's vegan, but it looked like a very average date uh, location like it looked like if you don't know what to talk about with the girl you'll bring her here and go wow vegan food this is lame <laughs> <laughs> you're like oh you beat me in Pac-Man <laughs> <laughs> and the beat her ass in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 yeah well I'll in answer to your question Mitchell Reynolds yeah yeah sorry we'll <laughs> get back pub because really it serves interested. vegan food whoa and I was looking for the male bathroom and I actually took I took a wrong turn uh, I stumbled into the kitchen and I saw ghastly things. I saw vegetables getting murdered! <laughs> <laughs> the celery juice splattered <laughs> over my shirt. <laughs> I screamed. A few chickpeas. A few chickpeas. You know what the difference between a chickpea and a lentil is? Uh, i got a strange feeling you're about to tell me. The coat? I wouldn't have a strong feeling all over my face. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so how's, how's tricks? How's tricks, Carl? Neverworld, as an iconic mm. Brisbane pub, a mm. vegan pub. I mean, people talk about, oh, iconic Brisbane. What springs to mind, Mitchell? The City Cat. Carl. Story Bridge. Forex Brewery, probably. Perfect. Iconic. All right? But I'm here to tell you that those are not the most iconic things about Brisbane. I'll tell you what's iconic Brisbane. That guy in the mankini who plays the trombone in Fortitude Valley every Saturday night. Y'all know who I'm talking about. Outside the train station. Outside the train station. <laughs> wherever he may wander. But Lord knows he shall be with a trombone and a mankini. My trombone, my sweet... Does he wear it in winter, though? That's the thing. <laughs> in winter? All year round. All year round, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'll tell you this. I was in the cab once and we drove past him. I said, that guy's a character. And he's like, yeah, I know that fella. And this guy was a pretty old and sage cab driver. I said, how long's he been here for? Cab driver says, well, I've been driving cars here for about 27 years. And he was here when I started. <laughs> he's, just get, he's just a Vietnam War vet. And he's just like had a really bad time over there. And he's just trying to escape the memory. So he puts a little bit of plastic up his ass crack and plays the trombone. <laughs> Does he make money though? Uh, 
well, enough to get by. I feel like he makes money off people who are going to the, buy seven mankinis a week. <laughs> one every, one every If you're in the valley for the first time, you see this guy. He's playing the trombone. He's in a mankini. You go, wow, this is different. Fiver for you. When you go there next Saturday, you go, all right, two for you. The third Saturday, you're like, hey, we're trying to have a conversation. Can you get the trombone down? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to eat my, my sausage roll outside fucking 7-Eleven. Yeah. So he's the great uh, beneficiary of Queensland's booming tourism industry. Mm. It's live in Queensland. Trombone is live. Being played live in a mangini in Queensland. Well, he's right across from the trip <laughs> club as well. Who else? Ziggy Bagman. He's iconic. Iconic. Iconic Brisbane <laughs> man. He accepts gifts as well. Do you hear about Mabbit? Our good friend Oliver Mabbit sees uh, Ziggy Bagman, a homeless man in uh, Turinga, and Oliver Mabbit, one of the nicest blokes you'll know, comes up and goes, hey, mate, I bought a small fries for you. And he goes, eh, can I get two soft serves instead? Mabbit had to turn around and go trade in a small chips for, for two soft serves for Ziggy Bagman. Wow. But that's the sort of respect he deserves because he's a Brisbane socialite. And he's, and he's iconic. And, it, you know... <laughs> I, I've heard so I've heard that Oliver also visited once with a packet of muesli bars so I've got some leftover muesli bars I'll give them to Ziggy because he lived nearby of course so he wandered down and Ziggy was having a nap and he, he said g'day Ziggy you got your muesli bars he went ah! why'd you wake me <laughs> and snatched the box off him and like, snatched him absolutely snatched him oh. give me that he muesli bars get up <laughs> out of here Today's also another special occasion. You fellas go to the gym at all? Oh, I, I dabble. Not as much as Carl, but I throw steel around. Oh, you too. Stop looking deep into each other's eyes. <laughs> Get your hand off my leg. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that's how we met. <laughs> yeah, the fortunate thing about being a male in 2018 is that you have to keep up with the others by going to the gym. So back, back in the old times, before gyms, think 2007. You know, every man was just as you were definitely up to 2000. You know, if you're a labourer and you laid bricks all day, you got muscles because you lifted bricks. But you didn't have some guy working a corporate job on Eagle Street, right? Sitting at a computer desk all day, right? You didn't have him going to the gym five days a week. Like, those guys should not be ripped. What do they need the muscles for? It's literally purely for aesthetic purposes. You know when there's a really tall stack of paper and you've got to staple all the way through all those pieces of paper? That's what all those deadlifts are for. They pay off. <laughs> Could use your leg. <laughs> I think they have admin people to do that, but <laughs> we'll move on. Was I was at a party and I was speaking to a couple of female friends. And I said, you know what? Girls should stop wearing makeup because you'll have to keep up with each other, right? Yeah, it takes like two hours to get ready in the morning, all right? Mm. Because every other girl's wearing makeup. But if you just all stopped wearing makeup, everyone would be level playing field again. So, and then you could save two hours, spend that two hours, you know, at the gym. And uh, they didn't like that too much. They said, you think we wear makeup to impress men? And I was like, mm, well, come to think about it. She said, we wear makeup to impress our female friends. <laughs> and <laughs> what are you saying? The, Find the guy, an guys do gym to impress their male friends? Oh, uh, yeah. I think so. Sorry, I think it's just getting? for... Is that... For, yeah, that, that, that's, the, that's the line I was trying to draw here. The right. correlation. I think that if all men stop going to the gym then I think we wouldn't have to have gyms anymore. We'd, we'd, we'd accept ourselves. So what I'm, gonna, what I'm telling you guys is, today I finally cancelled my gym membership because I want, you people stopped. To, you quit. I want people to love me for who I am. <laughs> and so I'm going to start showering once a week. I'm going to stop shampooing <laughs> because I want people to love me for who I am. It's not about my scent, my appearance, the, my oily hair. And I'm going to start wearing offensive <laughs> so t-shirts. Yeah. Really <laughs> offensive t-shirts because it's not about the clothing I wear. Or the smell the, of my hair. It's about the person in the clothes. It's about the person behind the flaky skin <laughs> and oily hair beneath the t-shirt that counts. Oh, and I, I just really want people to, to appreciate that. <laughs> anyway, Bon Jovi's playing here tonight, you know, in Brisbane. Yeah, he is. Cause dreadful traffic delays. I'll message him on Facebook about him. Yeah, it's probably the glint from his white teeth stopping all the traffic lights, making people crash. <laughs> He's 80, and have you seen the man's teeth? They're white. They're disgusting white. It's like a bowl of milk in his mouth. That's how fucking white his teeth are. You can get surgery. You can get, well, you can get what, more teeth pulled white? out and you get fake ones. Maybe, in. He's, got, maybe he's got full fake teeth. Maybe he doesn't have any oh. real teeth. They're just dentures. 
Imagine John Bovey at the end of the night going. His <laughs> roadies forgot his teeth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hi, Mr. Jovi, we bought your falafel roll. Thank you. <laughs> John Bon Jovi in the Caxton Street munging on a falafel roll with just gums. <laughs> What's wrong with Mr. Jovi? He usually loves his falafel rolls. <laughs> John Bon John. Anyway, um, this is actually his from his latest album. This track, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, only, he's only playing his new songs, but no one realizes it's just him yeah. behind a piano with a pan flute playing his instrumental new album. Mm. It's all about Chernobyl. Called Desolate Kingdom. I actually. John bon Jovi. I it's called saw, an extra eye. <laughs> are you familiar with Washington? The female, Australian female musician, Washington. So no. Um, Megan Washington. I went to one of her gigs. Is she called Washington? Was she yeah. Megan Washington. It was about a year ago. And she sat down behind a keyboard, just her. And I was like, oh, that's a bit different. She said, and if you want me to play the hits, I'm not playing them. I'm only playing new stuff and I don't care. And I was like, hmm, what are your hits? And then I was sort of <laughs> towards the back and, well, pretty much half the people left. <laughs> That's when you're like, all right, maybe I'll just play one hit, just one hit. <laughs> and now she's playing for free at Netherworld. <laughs> um, but yeah, but going back to trombone, man. You've got a man in a mankini mm-hmm. playing trombone in Fortitude Valley. A lot of people say, That's weird. We don't like that. That's offensive. I'm a Christian. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you, I'm here to repeat something that the great Jamie Oliver once said. And that is every bolognese needs a pinch of nutmeg. Can't all be the same people floating around wearing our suits. <laughs> why would you put nutmeg? Yeah, in a pan? Wait, a minute. wait a minute. And that's why he's the best. That's why he's the best. The game changer. <laughs> he thinks of the things no one else thinks of. <laughs> Just put a little bit of sawdust in your panini and <laughs> That's the Jamie Oliver difference. I use industrial leftover supplies in my dishes. I don't like waste. And it's healthy. Tell me how much saturated fat is in wood chippings. Zero. <laughs> nom, 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 nom. Here, Mr. Jovi, I've prepared your bowl of milk, <laughs> your milk and wood chips. Oh. <laughs> Damn, right, he's forgot his teeth again. Whitens your teeth. <laughs> uh, Mitchell, you've brought in a track tonight. Uh, yes, I have. I brought one with me. Would you like to announce that to the people at home? Yes, I'd love to. Um, it is called. Wait, I sent you. Which one? It... You sent me two. But you chose one. Oh, is it Deep Blue Skies? Yes. Yes. All right, perfect. Thank goodness. And why did you choose this particular song? Well, I forgot the name of the other one, so it's better than <laughs> Deep Blue Skies. And that's why I picked it. <laughs> um, Deep Blue Skies. I reckon, calling it, probably one of the favourite songs of the year. Right. Um, never really heard of them before. By a band called Real Society. Don't know where they're from. Don't know how many there are in the band. But good mate of ours, Cameron Jones, introduced me to them. And, mate, give the song a listen. Absolute ripper for 11pm. Starts off really slow, really twangy, a little bit uh, psychedelic, and then about three quarters of the way through, boom, your clothes are off. It's great. Bazinga. Yeah. Well, we won't have time to play the song tonight, but we will. (laughs) (laughs) But thanks for the shout-out, you nerd. (laughs) No, no, we'll get to that. We'll get to that in just a second. But first, we'll be playing a song from the great Ocean Party who we just saw. We're going to play a song that we wanted them to play, but they didn't. So that's where I step in to save the day. This is a song I like to call Head Down by the Ocean Party. We listen to a decanter of band with me, Harry Valley, Carl Preet and Mitchell Reynolds. (laughs) (laughs) No, we need to edit that out five minutes later. Quickly. Get rid of it. Uh, you know, what, what, what does a band usually say when they finish a gig, Carl? Well, usually when they walk out, they go, uh, thanks, Brisbane, you've been great, good night. And they usually, like, finish off with Wagon Wheel or Quesar or anything. <laughs> but but tonight, Brisbane, my favourite city. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my favourite city. We're in Melbourne, I mean, uh, Brisbane, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but tonight, Harry, they said, um, they were like, oh, thanks for coming out, thanks for always coming out, Brisbane. Um, we might not be here again, but if we are, uh, we'll see you again. But if not, then thanks. And, and so what did I do, Mitch? So he said, Fuck you, play the hits. Yep. Good reading. Through a bottle. 
So they had a, uh, a Romanian dictator called Nicolae Ceausescu in communist uh, Romania. And he built this palatial... Nah, he grand- was part of the bobsled team in Winter <laughs> <laughs> Olympics. You're talking smack. No, Nicolae Ceausescu was a Romanian dictator. He, he was, was not a bobsled. Jump, wasn't he? Oh, say that. <laughs> he was on a triple jump. <laughs> say his name five times really fast. Ceausescu, Ceausescu, Ceausescu for fluff. <laughs> He's appearing in the window. Oh, oh. <laughs> Go away, Nicolaj. Oh, we finally figured out the ghost that haunts the Portugal's <laughs> studio. It's the Romanian dictator, Nicolas Ceausescu. Anyway, so what did Nicolas Ceausescu what happened? Uh, look, he was a misunderstood man. The tens of thousands of Romanians he killed, look, I'm not going to say they deserved it, but they had it coming. <laughs> no, they didn't. The trouble is, he was a dreadful man. Because Romania fell into really bad hands after the, the communist... You know, thing ended. Mm. Whole communist shebang. Communist thing. <laughs> that little Their thing. flirtation with <laughs> yeah. communism. Oh, it's a myth. Uh, yeah. Summer fling. Uh, but the thing is, they, no, but they've fallen on hard times ever since. You know, you look at Germany and Czech, Czech Republic, you know, things turn out better there than they did in Romania. Mm. So they actually did bury the dictator who killed tens of thousands of people and people put flowers on that grave because they actually miss those times. They miss the days when, where the only station on television was state news saying how great Nicholas Ceausescu was. Not the point I was going to make. The point I was going to say was he had this palatial building. It was palatial. It was it was grand and 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 uh, it was massive. And before it was actually finished, probably like a week before it was finished, uh, they chased him up into the rooftop uh, trying to kill him. And then he got into a helicopter. They chased that down. He crashed. The whole point is he was killed. And he was not ever. He never appeared on the balcony of this grand palatial building that was his vision. You're just painting a picture. I'm just imagining a dude in like a white suit with like a hook for a hand and like an eyepatch like, yeah, <laughs> flying away in a helicopter. Well, if you take away the white suit and the hook, you're not wrong. <laughs> he did fly away in a helicopter. Not for long. Um, but so what happened was the first person to ever appear on that balcony and speak was Michael Jackson when he came for a European tour. And he was in Bucharest, Romania. He goes out into the balcony and he says, Hello, Budapest! <laughs> Budapest. And anyway, it's great. Just a collective groan along the yeah. oh, Not again. <laughs> Tens oh, of thousands this, of my yeah. siblings murdered, and now Michael Jackson getting murdered. And this the fucking city. Mitchell Jacklin guy on the stage. So let's get into some very serious issues. You might have seen on the news recently that children in Victoria were protesting in the streets. They were protesting about climate change. These were nine-year-old children who were so concerned about the environment that they had personally organized demonstrations in the streets. Nine-year-old children. And when I saw this in the news, I thought to myself, wow, amazing. Nine-year-old children organizing rallies, protests in the Melbourne streets. What an absolute load of There's no way nine-year-olds organize that. (laughs) Whether you believe in climate change or not, a bunch of nine-year-olds marching down the street, does that prove anything? What do they know? Can they explain it to me? No, they can't. I refuse to believe any of them can. Learn to skateboard before you tell me about science. Yeah. So that's Jimmy, more of an expression. You walk of down the pants. street, and the, or else there's no fucking TV tonight, mate. Huh? Exactly. And then he's walking straight down the street. Those teachers who took those kids down to that demonstration are the Australian lefty version of Coney. Those were child <laughs> soldiers. No, wait, the teacher's teacher going to get caught pissing in public. Is it an expression of the teachers or the parents? Well, parents and teachers. They took them down there. Wait, was it on a school day? Or was, was it on a school? On... It was on a Friday. They wagged school. <laughs> oh, well, then it surely is the teachers. Yeah, you'd think, yeah. You'd think it'd be the teachers. They, they, they were down Friday. there. They were yeah. down there. Maybe the teachers all just had a big blinder on Thursday night and they come in with a big old headache and go, oh. Well, so maybe climate, climate change yeah. isn't real. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really imagine being real hungover and going, oh, maybe uh, it isn't real. <laughs> well, here's, here's the conspiracy, right? <laughs> How long does a protest go for? About an hour? These teachers are knocking off about yeah, two in the afternoon. A few local pubs around the Melbourne CBD. What do you reckon? Oh, yeah. Tell you what's not warm. Nice cold schooner of uh, 4X cold. <laughs> yeah. <Right>. Take me, to, <laughs> take me where the skooies right. are hot and the chicks are cold and I'll be happy. <laughs> That'd be shit. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, look, if you saw a bunch of nine-year-old kids, thousands of them marching down the street, Sick. holding oh signs, God. signs that said, the Armenian genocide did not occur. <laughs> Any claim that the Armenian genocide occurred is not factual. 
Would you stand there on the side and go, Wow, that's a smart nine-year-old. Yeah, it's good to have a point. I never thought about it like that. Despite the immense body of evidence that it did occur, maybe this nine-year-old with a cardboard sign with a dollar sign after the number. <laughs> and that cute thing where they make Bs look like Ds. I'm finding all that very, very persuasive. <laughs> but yes, look, I, I, look, I, thought, I thought it was a good idea because uh, engaging in protests mm. is a good way of learning how democracy works and how you can make your voice heard. Sounds good? Yeah. The thing is, it should have been like a, you know, like a pretend one, like a, like a school assignment. We're going to do like a protest. Like it's not a real one. We'll have some, some of the parents will dress up as police officers and, and some parents will dress up as far right activists and they'll, they'll come in with tear gas. And, um, but they should have just been parents on the sidelines that's clapping their kids and going, wow, great job protesting guys. It's kind of like when, you, when, you, when your kid is in like the school play and he's playing, you know, the broccoli, the dancing broccoli. And you go, it's a pretty shit school play. <laughs> And my kid's pretty shit at this, but you know he's having a go. You're going to clap. Anyway. Yeah, he's facing the wrong way. He's falling off the stage. Yeah, he's but like, you love him. That's my boy. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and you love him. <laughs> That's my broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> you were just great out there. <laughs> I was From on your bean when I was your age. Oh, look at you. <laughs> look at you now. <laughs> For just a moment, I could have picked you up and slipped you under the table and fed you to the dog, son. <laughs> you were so convincing as that broccoli. <laughs> Pour a bit of cheese sauce right over the top. <laughs> you know, deep fry you for about 20 minutes and you might have tasted all right, son. <laughs> anyway. But, yeah, but, but, but these are nine-year-old kids mm. claiming they organised... Well, well, the news is claiming they organised these demonstrations. Are you trying to tell me that there are these two parents strung out on the couch eating tin beans? And they lean over and they say, Little Katie! What are you doing on the PC? Oh, Mummy and Daddy. I'm submitting an application to the local Melbourne Council for a protest permit. I emailed them seven months ago and they just got back to me. <laughs> wow, bureaucracies really are fun. <laughs> bureaucracies, are, bureaucracies are much more fun than sports. <laughs> yeah, no. Not at all. And this is I'm all... I'm not buying it. It's all independent of the fact that you might believe in climate change, you might not. Can we go around clockwise? Climate change, Mitch. Uh, it's definitely real. Definitely real. Yeah. Why is it definitely real? <laughs> I'm not. A li I'm not smart enough to give you the exact figures. But just say something about the polar ice caps. There's a something about ice caps tornadoes. Say <laughs> ice caps are melting. Last week was fucking hot. What's a documentary, dude? <laughs> oh no. He's been Al Gore. <laughs> Watch it. Watch it. Documentary, dude. <laughs> Carl, global warming. Uh, definitely real. Um, saw that documentary with the guy from Titanic, and uh, he, he seemed to know what he's talking about. So, uh, yeah. sure. Why Very not? eloquent, big words. You know what? Bigger than marmalade. You know what? Why not? <laughs> Once again, actors. Guess what actors did? They all came out and said Trump was crazy and a maniac. Are you saying that all those nine-year-olds, actors, child actors, child oh. actors, or oh, conspiracy? We'll check back in in a few years' time. Guess where they'll be. On rehab, neighbours. Oh, yeah, neighbours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my day. The next Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> do you want to know my coffee conspiracy? And I googled this. Oh, hey. What's up? Yeah, I was Is it a conspiracy my... anymore? It yeah. might be fact. Well, I said, what happens if you just put coffee beans in boiling water? And it's terrible. Google told me that <laughs> you get all the hit of coffee. You, like, if you put enough in there, you get the caffeine. It might taste as smooth tastes like, or great. Tastes like foot butt. <laughs> <laughs> but there are some people who lay at night like, wow, I need to study, but I'm so tired, I'll go get a coffee. And that coffee in that moment is for the effect of the coffee, not the taste. Yeah. And just put some beans in a cup of hot water. <laughs> I tell you what, love, it'll still do you right. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But um, it, that sprouted out of my original conspiracy theory, which, like many other conspiracy theories, was wrong. <laughs> and that was where I thought what really perked you up about the coffee was merely the hot water. I thought that it was the hot water that was waking you up, or at least was relaxing you, like a tea. And I kind of stand by that. Mm. Um, but it's a sort of yeah. cathartic effect. And it's also like the process of going to get a coffee. And you associate the taste with, like, waking up, starting you. Yeah. 
Well, they say they say a placebo, like a decaf placebo coffee, is just as kind of um, invigorating and kind of um, effective. A- effective as a as reminds a, you as of a normal like you were having a coffee. And if you swap someone's decaf out for a uh, or normal caffeine coffee with a decaf, they wouldn't know the difference. Well, I tell you what, they make non-alcoholic beer these days, and you are giving me plenty of ideas. How about us lads have a big night in the non-alcoholic beers <laughs> on the weekend? Remember that there was that story. <laughs> what would happen? Remember, remember there was that like those, that bottle of or like there was that, that sack of um, non-alcoholic wine, and they gave it to some guy at college, and then and then. And he was they were all getting pissed, and then he was like, started like throwing up, and like was blind. And he was throwing up. He was throwing up. No, did that. He was throwing up from this from this non-alcoholic wine. Everyone was like, Ah, what, what do you mean? And then um, it was all, it was, was non-alcoholic. He was wine. terminally ill. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, got liver poisoning, uh, and he got his stomach pumped. Turns out you too drank, much sugar. You drank <laughs> the non-alcoholic wine. <laughs> Turns out what? someone laced it with anthrax. But uh, <laughs> like, uh, what a what a dork. <laughs> But the same can be said about uh, cigarettes. People say that there are ancillary effects of having a cigarette. That is, it's a social thing. I thought, what if we could take away the cigarette? Huh? Here you go. We take away the cigarette and we uh, just take deep breaths. <laughs> and you'll find that you're a bit relaxed. People, when, you know when people get really worried? They say, just take, deep, take a deep breath. <gasps> what if everyone just went outside and there was like a bre- the, the, the breathing area? Hey, sorry, no glasses in the breathing area. Oh, dude, can I bum a breath, bros? <laughs> <laughs> There's always that one friend. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> hey, man, have you got any paper bags? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man, I'm out of paper bags. Sorry, bro, this is my last one. I'm just saying, oh, no, 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 all good, all good, all cheers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on a side note, this is something I'm actually starting to feel very passionate about because I don't like taxes. I hate mm. taxes. And I everyone used to say, you know, it was a given. You know, taxes, you know, we should tax cigarettes because, you know, people get sick of cigarettes. But I can say, as a neutral, as a non-smoker, I can say that there are many other things that cause people to go to hospital that we don't tax. Sport, for example. How many rugby players get injured, go to, go to hospital? That's a drain. That's probably more of a drain in the health system. So let's tax the shit out of these rugby players. Right? <laughs> They'll never see it coming. Let's bankrupt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> let's make this bread. Yeah. Let's make this bread. Let's make some money. <laughs> let's make this bread. <laughs> and um, I, I walk down the street every day in the city, and invariably, every day, and I mean this, I will see some people who are a bit down their luck and they are picking through bins or on the ground trying to find cigarette butts any, any tobacco or stuff cigarette because Ooh. obviously they're very expensive I've seen them emptying out the bins yeah they're emptying emptying out. See, see that like the, the, the stub out bins oh. and even for the people who hate homeless people that is rough even for the people who hate homeless people what are you pointing at me that, that <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you didn't have to say that no one would that have still known. causes oh. a mess <laughs> people emptying bins hey what, 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 what? hey what there's something in it for everyone if we just stop taxing cigarettes yeah I'm a, I'm a libertarian I just realised I had more to say about these children protests. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. You're going to put a tax on them, mate. Yeah. Well, Mitch and I, we play six-a-side soccer. Uh, yep. You, unfortunately, had a dinner tonight. Oh, well, it wasn't meant to be it tonight. It was against the schedule, so... That's all right. You found a loophole. Now you're thinking like a lawyer, Mitch. <laughs> um, but a, t- a couple of weeks ago, when you were a- actually absent, there was, a, there was an English referee... And he was refereeing our game, and I was wearing a T-shirt that had a Hockney quote on it, and then it said Hockney then. And he said, I like your T-shirt. I said, and he had a pommy accent, but I like your T-shirt, mate. And I was like, oh, you like Hockney? And he said, I don't know who Hockney is. And I said, you know, he's a fa- he's a very famous English artist. And he's like, well, no. Uh, and I was like, well, have you heard of Prince Charles then? And he goes, well, yeah, it was a shit, it was a shit joke. Look, the whole, and, and then he said, oh, Prince Charles, don't don't none like him much. He's always banging on about climate change. And I, and I was like, well, what's the problem with that? And he said, well, and then he's, this is the brilliant part. He said this like it was self-evident, like it was the most obvious thing in the world that I actually Googled it when I got home. He was like, well, climate change is a conspiracy, isn't it? Like, you know, you know climate change was a conspiracy invented by Margaret Thatcher in the <laughs> 70s as an excuse to close down the factories. You know, where I was from in my you town. She went home and Googled that. Yeah, it was a factory town, right? Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> You, like, you know she invented it. And like all the American presidents, like, they got in on it like to make money. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but you know this. Not what I mean. It's like a five-minute conversation. He was trying to referee a soccer match. Oh, like, I thought he was a player. He was just trying to tick-attack around. you going, like, you know this. And he's just no. like, trying to freak you out. Like, Consp- like, like conspiracies. Nutmeg. Yeah. Nutme- nutme- like, <laughs> which way am I going to go? Yeah. It was Margaret Thatcher. Ooh. I stopped Googling. It was, we were down 3-0. You got me. <laughs> Man, I hate playing Spaniards. They are sneaky. <laughs> Turns out he was just a, he was a Brazilian the whole time, putting on an English accent. It's called three goals. God, they are such cheaters. Anyway, <laughs> but um, yeah, I did. I googled it when I got home. I said, "Did Margaret Thatcher 
invent climate change. And you know what? Let's find out live on air if she actually did. <laughs> did Margaret Thatcher? Can we get some? Sorry, can we get some spontaneous, uh, some dramatic music while I? Uh, Do you want to see some drum rolls? Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> did Margaret Thatcher invent? It hasn't even come up in the suggested searches. Oh, it sounds like my lounge room when I watch the TV. <laughs> this is like Harry after that chickpea lentil burger. No, there's... <laughs> uh, it's not a conspiracy about the morning, yeah. But, yeah, this is about a five-minute conversation. People, players could have been stabbing themselves, you know, on the field back there. Well, he was telling me that climate change was a conspiracy theory. Referee the game, mate. <laughs> Stabbing themselves. <laughs> Give him the cheese. And, and after the end of the conversation, I was like, how do we even get there? He said, I like your shirt. It was it was a quote <laughs> by an artist he'd never heard of. And we somehow ended up... <laughs> we somehow ended up at Margaret Thatcher invented climate change. It was really change. on his mind and he just needed to tell someone. Like, I'm just He's thinking funny. about this He's whole climate change thing. Just drawing That is one <laughs> hell of a disgruntled taxpayer. Anyway, but it's come to that very special time of the evening when we play a request by one of our uh, co-hosts here, Mitch Reynolds. We have uh, My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion. And after that, we have Deep Blue Skies with the Vril, so- the Vril Society? The Vril, I think it's the Vril Society. I'm not sure. That's how I've been saying it. And if I find out that I'm wrong, I'm going to keep calling him the Vril Society. You know what? If enough people call it that, then what? who cares? <laughs> <laughs> what the flip? They're going to come get you tonight, mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're kicking down your door with their psychedelic, <laughs> psychedelic. <laughs> They're cutting your frill. <laughs> DJ Hyrubel lead mixing Celine Dion with the Vril Society. You're in the lab tonight. You're in the Sampology lab. We are Sampologizing tonight. Mixing, twixing. How's tricks? Vril <laughs> Society. The Vril Society. Skies. Fantastic. What a track. Yeah. yeah it's good. Eh? I like Mitch, that. a great selection. Yeah, cheers. No, about like three quarters of the way through, it just goes and like explodes. Oh, it's so good. I did give you specific instructions that it needed to be a Christmas song and acoustic, <laughs> but thanks anyway. Um, back to these kids protesting in Melbourne. <laughs> one of them no, held, no, 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 no. One of them held a sign that said, end climate change now! Exclamation mark. This is a child you just, you demanding this anyway. from an adult. This is, what's, this is what happens when you take away the wooden spoon from the house, you know, and, and what happens when you take away the cane from school. But children become so demanding. That's so audacious, you know. Uh, I'm, probably on the other side of this cardboard sign was, a, was something that just said, you know, toasted sandwich now when they got home. If they said that at, at home. They just flip it around when they're not going to the bed now. If your parents drove like a four-wheel drive, Mm. And and they were just like a suburban family. They didn't need a four-wheel drive. It was just like a gas guzzler car. Would you just like rock up to breakfast one morning and go, end climate change now? <laughs> you don't want to impose yourself. And I feel like to some to some extent, children don't really know what they're doing. All right? Totally. Yeah. That's why we have you can't sleep with a child. You can't sleep with someone under the age of 16. Because <laughs> until someone's 16, they don't really Wait, consent. They don't really know what they're doing. Right. So why do we let people under the age of 16 protest in the streets? Yeah. All right? Trying to put forward their views. We have already said... In the balance of probabilities, these children don't know what they're don't doing. That's why they can't vote till they're 18. <laughs> you know what? They should have brought out the fire trucks. <laughs> <laughs> these kids on the wet and wild slides. <laughs> but, but the, the problem <laughs> is sliding down the bitumen. <laughs> now I'm sounding like a, a liberal politician because there, there was a fellow, Matt Canavan, who came out and said that the only thing these children are going to learn from protesting on a school day is how to join the dole queue. Now that's a bit heavy. Ooh, that... Yeah, holy moly. Um, and... I guess what I'm doing right now is a bit of a canavan. It's a bit of a canavan. I'm slagging these kids up for protesting. But I've got their best interests at heart, you see. <laughs> what I'm really doing is a canavan of love. Every woman, every man, join the, the canavan of love. Stand up, stand up, stand up. Everybody take a stand. Join the caravan of love. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Anyway, uh, <laughs> didn't go where you think it was going to go, did it? <laughs> wow. Very oh, wow. tangential. Wow. <laughs> we talked about kids protesting for about 45 minutes. <laughs> Have we got another point on that? Uh, <laughs> so no, anyway, I think I've got all these off my kids on, the, so on that anyway, whiteboard there. Oh, yeah. So, anyway, Carl, these kids, there were nine <laughs> and they had cardboard. Where was it? Oh, Sydney? Adelaide? Oh, yeah. Melbourne. <laughs> Stop mocking me. It was in July. <laughs> I can tell if your microphone's in there. Yeah. Uh, but, 
We got we got a bit of time left, so let's let's talk about something. Uh, let's talk about something. So when a mate gets into a long-term relationship, you know things change a little bit. All of a sudden, you know you. you <laughs> You're having an ice party in a shopping centre car park and, you know, getting some hookers around and your mate with a girlfriend doesn't want to come along. You're like, what's wrong with this guy? I used to always love this stuff. And, you know, things change, all right? Mm. And sometimes it's not unheard of for mates to hold a bit of a funeral for their friend who's got a long-term girlfriend. You've heard of this sort of thing before? I've heard of it. He was in a movie once, wasn't it? <laughs> no, no, it's, it's completely... Do, do you know my, someone it's my own idea. No, 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 no. We do not want copyright it's lawyers in here, trust me. It's completely <laughs> Okay. Wow, what a great idea. Oh, wow, yeah, cool. Yeah. Well, anyway, so... But uh, I'd like to thank you you three for coming in tonight. It's been a, a great show. And thank you. Loved it. Not a problem, yeah. Woo! <laughs> I haven't seen a more pathetic and, and high five. <laughs> I haven't seen a more pathetic attempt at a high five. I pull them out. I reckon those nine-year-old protesters could do that. I was like, the producer, Helen, waving goodbye. Helen, I've dislocated my elbow. You stay out of this. You stay out of this. On house physiotherapist. Helen, it's dislocated. I hate teenagers, man. I think they're so entitled. I think everyone does. And you see them walk around shopping centres, and they're, and they're and you can see the girls think that these little fourteen-year-old boys are really cool, and these fourteen-year-old boys are just thinking, "How can I do the things that I see in my pornographic films with these <laughs> with these girls?" You know, and and you, and then they're behind the checkouts at Woolworths. Look, I, I got to I want to be completely honest with you, Sean. I did a stint at Woolworths when I was uh, <clears throat> when I was seventeen, and I was the worst employee, and I. I actually like statistically, I was. I'm not saying that in the sense that, like, you know, when your girlfriend, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, shows you like a painting and goes, "Oh, look at my painting! It's like the worst." And then you have to go, "No, no, it's it's awesome. It's the best still life painting of a of a pretzel I've ever seen." And she goes, "It's a self portrait." <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I was actually the worst. I'm not. I'm not asking for a compliment here. They used to put up a record on the wall of how many uh, items each checkout staff was scanning per minute. Like you had a rate. Jesus. And I, I was like 3.5 or something per minute. Yeah. And, and not because I was chatting. Like I hated this job. Yeah. I hated this job so much. Because um, I was in, not in the express. I thought it, like the sexiest job you could ever have was being express checkout. Because mm-hmm. I mean, who's showing up with a whole trolley full of products? It's just the stressed out mums. Mums, yeah. Like lonely gym junkies with like 50 protein bars. <laughs> like you want to be an express. You're getting hot girls coming through buying a kombucha. That's where you want to be. Just a kombucha, thanks. Yep, you can have it. It's on me. Uh, but I I wasn't even talking to these people. I would say like, hey, how you going? And they'd be like, good, thank you. And then I would sp- just slowly scan these items and put them in plastic bloody bags. That's a throwback, isn't it? I'll be telling my grandkids about that. Put them in plastic bags. Anyway, well, they, they, they put up the record, and I was the second bottom, and there was a person below me that had all these dashes where the statistics should be. I remember asking someone, look, what? How come they've just got dashes? Where's their rate? They go, they died. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> she died. <laughs> so I was well and truly last, and... um. Yeah, <laughs> but I would like if, if I had if I came across a, like a customer that I actually thought was really friendly and I thought was really nice, I would just like not scan one of the items. I just give them something free. Really? And so for, I remember, I remember distinctly there was an old lady that came through and she bought a chicken, hot chicken. And I was like, mm. well, and, well, like amongst other things, and I just picked it up and put it in a bag. Right. And so she she saved what ten dollars, whatever. Um, but that's just wrong, you know. I remember this one time. You know what the protocol is? If you need to go to the bathroom. You buzz, like, you buzz someone over and they yeah. say, hey, Harry, it was a problem. You go, I need to go to the bathroom. And they go, okay. And they step in. They start scanning your stuff for you. You go to the bathroom, you come back, you switch through again. I didn't know what, any of this. I wasn't listening when they told me what to do. I When I needed to go to the toilet, I would just be in the middle of scanning some guy's stuff and go, look, mate, I really need to go to the toilet. <laughs> 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 just walk off, go to the toilet, Come back like five minutes later, and they'd 
with the same guy just standing there with half, with, <laughs> with half his items scanned. <laughs> this guy was really nice, though. I think he was, he was like, when you got to go, you got to go. But, oh, man, I was awful. Yeah. I mean, one of the defining characteristics of children is incompetence. There's never, you've never met a kid at, a, at his job and you're like, oh, this, this kid is really good at his job. Like, well, oh, I, I'm, just, I'm just thrilled by like, its service. And I think kids I, who don't go to uni do a good job, but the uni students always treat their, their job with such contempt because they go, uh, I'll graduate one day and yeah. I'll move on to bigger and better things after, you know, I've finished like Mr. Colonel uh, popcorn store, you know. It's midnight. What are you kids still doing up? But Dad, why are you still up? A decanter of banter. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to a decanter of banter. Another night, another no dollar. But I'm like Bryn Edelson. I'm in it for love, not money. Um, a very special guest this morning. Uh, he's taken time out of his busy schedule of stealing bread from ducks. Sean Erickson, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Good evening, Harry. Good evening to you. Thank you for having me again. I mean, you look around, everyone's having salads these days. Mm. Everyone's doing portion control. I think that maybe the donut is alive and well, but it's just not in the public eye. It's an underbelly. I once had a competition with a friend. Underbelly. Called uh, Monk Month. And um, we're not going to reflect on that. Undobelly. We'll move on. Uh, what were you saying? Well, I just had a competition with a friend called Monk Month, and essentially the the aim was not to indulge in any gratification. No, you know, sex. No delicious food. No alcohol. Nothing like this. And well, no, I've inadvertently been doing <laughs> <laughs> Monk Month for years. No uh, sex. Well. Anyway, I basically got, like, crippling depression after about three days because when life has no meaning, no pleasure, then you just want to die. Um, but it turned out my friend basically just ignored this competition, so I was the only person involved in this for the first, like, three weeks until I eventually surrendered, thinking I'd lost. And then I was just the, the butt of a practical joke. So it's just another one of, one of those pieces of evidence that you should never, ever trust anyone in life. You will inevitably be betrayed. Oh no! I think I've seen you. It's a Snapchat story that got sent into Lad Bible. Convince my mate to do Mug Month, and then it's a <laughs> seventy-six hours of footage of your mate Snapchatting you not drinking and not having sex. When it went viral, Sean. <laughs> anyway, um, so you're in Ukraine. Yeah. I. I want to ask the question that's on everyone's lips. How has the hashtag MeToo movement affected the trade of Ukrainian wife sales? <laughs> um, it is, I don't know, I guess it's kind of a serious topic. Like, it's pretty sleazy, some of the stuff. I don't think people are overly affected by it. I think your average Ukrainian woman has a few words to say about it. But, you know, you'll be in Kiev and there are like ads for find a bride websites in English it's about the only thing that is in English you know so not a lot I guess the kind of people who involve themselves in bridal trade aren't overly affected emotionally by um, me too they're not like hashtags ha yeah you know they're not like oh I thought it was fine but now that we've been awakened to the problems of sort of I think they figured out it was bad when they were getting stolen from their um, uh, po poverty stricken uh, Russian parents and, and taken away if they're Ukrainian then parents are possibly not Russian I'll stop you there Sean because it's my understanding that in the red light districts of Amsterdam and Hamburg a lot of the women there were women who were just taken from uh, poor uh, Russian farmers who didn't have enough money to raise their child and they would just take them from a young age and they, they've grown up never feeling any kind of true affection or anything that could remotely be described as love apart from repeat customers um, getting a bit carried away. <laughs> what are you stopping me from doing? I'll stop you there and... and <laughs> 
I'm just saying that if, if, I'm just saying that a lot a lot of these these people right. are right, Sean, and they are people after all. <laughs> I know. The only thing I was disagreeing with you about was when you said these Ukrainians with Russian parents. Seems like you're having a confusion in your brain. No, or, you, or you mistake one country for a different one. Or maybe I've been reading a lot yeah, of pro-Russian pro propaganda. propaganda. You, you make Ukraine mistake, belongs to Russia. You make a mistake that certain other people also make <laughs> on purpose. Yes. And actually, I would I would have thought that the whole hashtag Me Too movement might might have helped wife say I thought there'd be a lot of men in the West. <laughs> there'd be a lot of men in the West right now going, "Oof, I don't know if this is what, if what I'm about to say is a compliment or if it's going to come across as seedy." Uh, I might just buy a wife. In, no, because in Ukraine. The thing about these people is they don't care. I met a guy who was in Ukraine for this. He was like this old Welsh guy on this train, and he was kind of not ashamed at all about it. Like he was openly going through like find a bride dating profiles which is like i guess tinder if you're like 60 years old and incredibly sleazy um and he was kind of talking about it and he was talking to these people next to me about like oh you know i've been to i've been to colombia and i've been to russia and i've been to ukraine and he was kind of ranking women in each of these countries based upon their qualities as a potential bride like he wasn't he wasn't just in it for their looks um which is about all you can say in his favor. But yeah, these people have no shame, Harry. A restaurant review. We don't do this very often on 4ZZZ, let alone a decanter of banter, but a restaurant review. Mm. What is it? Which one? Lucinda, can we get the theme for the restaurant review? Something sexy. Thank you, Lucinda. Producer Lucinda got us a nice sexy theme here for the restaurant review. Very sexy. How was the ambience? How was the service? This is what the people want to know. Don't worry about the food. The service. How was the food given to you? <laughs> um, there's a new place that's opened up in Spring Hill. It's local. I like to support anything that's local. So I was a little bit... I saw this place. had some opening soon signs on. I got very hot and bothered just thinking about, you know, just wandering down there on a Tuesday night, getting a, getting a plate. Eventually went and took a bird. We were hanging out. What's the harm? Get a bite to eat. It's chill. <laughs> and... Um, I really wanted to like it because it was local. It was, within a, it was within a strolling distance of my house. Okay, I really wanted to like this this food, this 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 restaurant. But I guess it was a little bit like losing your virginity to an unhygienic person, and you and you're there going, oh, everyone said it would be awesome, but it, everything just stinks. Am I gay? Because this restaurant was just shit, mate. And I. You know, I said it was great. I, I, I lied through my teeth, and and then I, when I when I went home, I, I looked at some Google reviews for the place, and there were, I noticed a very distinct pattern. The first maybe five or six were, were the most glowing Google reviews, and I love Google reviews. It's democratized restaurant and cafe reviewing. Yeah. You know, they used to be these gatekeepers from newspapers who were so pompous, and they cared about things like service. Who really cares about service? I I would say that if I find the waiter to be obnoxious or annoying, then I do not enjoy my time. In that. But when you go to a restaurant and eat food, yeah. when you make that decision yeah, that you're going to go to a restaurant and you're at home, do you say to your wife, your spouse, your partner, do you say, hey, let's go um, uh, make contact with a friendly person? No, you say, let's go get some food. It's a factor to consider. One of the services that the restaurant provides is its atmosphere. And if the waiter is bad, then that atmosphere is worse. And I think that if you expect to just be treated poorly by your waiter, then you have some issues, mate. You need to respect yourself more. Because, so if, if, you, if you find your waiter to be rude, just rude, are you going to leave that place a good review? If you're going to leave it a review at all. Despite the food. The to, food is to downrate a restaurant because of poor service is like saying, I didn't enjoy the film Titanic because my armchair was uncomfortable. No, it's not. 
No, it's not. What if you walk in? One of the things also is um, is the speed at which you receive your food, which service incorporates. If I'm sitting in a restaurant for an hour, and then they ask me what I want, then that is a bad restaurant, no matter how good the food is. And I will never go back to that restaurant. Service is a category that you have to consider. Food is the most important. I think it's a way that restaurant reviewers back in the old times used to to show that they knew the nuances of restaurant dining. And in the same way that music reviewers try to say, oh, there's a real theme that goes to this album. There's a narrative, there's this and that. How about most people just listen to it and it gets them off or it doesn't? When you, you know what I mean? Like, these guys aren't poets. These guys aren't, mate, no. just because an album has good lyrics no, doesn't mean like, this guy's bloody Cicero. No, your, your analogy is poor because it's more like going to a live concert. If you go to a live concert and the band's late and, you know, they dig around tuning for two hours and then you finally get to hear a song and but then you got to wait another 45 minutes before you listen to the next song and they're kind of rude while they're at it, you know. They're just insulting the audience. You guys suck. You don't understand our music. And then even if they play like the best song you've ever heard in your life after they're doing all this obnoxious stuff, you're going to um, not enjoy that concert. Okay, here we go. This is a good example. You go to Woolworths. Yeah. You go to buy a pound of strawberries. You need to do, you need to do some sewing. Yeah. So you buy a pound of strawberries. <laughs> No, no, we'll end it there. The, the, the farmers are struggling because of all these, these <laughs> strawberry needle jokes. Um, every time you make a strawberry needle joke, one farmer loses their farm. Maybe some of their tears can go to um, fertilising the soil. All right, we'll put that in the suggestion box. Um, so you go to Woolworths and you buy a banana, let's say. As you go to the checkout, you, you say, how are you going? And the checkout person grunts back at you. They just grunt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or maybe they just cough in your face. They go, <laughs> <laughs> and then, <laughs> then you're gonna you're gonna walk out and you're gonna go, this banana sucks. That's the equivalent of not enjoying your restaurant meal because of bad service. No, it's not. No, you bought the banana. The banana is still a banana. The banana is the exact same banana whether they gave it to you for free, whether they said, oh, I really hope you enjoy this banana, Sean Erickson. Yep, we remember your name. You come to Woolworth Spring Hill all the time. Okay, so are you reviewing the restaurant or are you reviewing the food? If you're reviewing the food, then your analogy makes sense. If you're reviewing the restaurant as a whole, then no. If I go to a shop, I can buy a, I can buy a banana anywhere. Anywhere. And I can buy pretty good bananas, probably equivalent quality anywhere. And if the person's coughing... Why do you need so many bananas for? And if the person's coughing... What are you doing with all those bananas? If if the person's coughing in my face when I buy a banana, (laughs) every time I buy a banana, I'm going to go to a different shop. Because no matter how good the banana is, it's disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) What are the bananas at that particular shop are better than all the other bananas? What, they're imports. They, um... the, the, The... the chances that I'm going to go to a shop twice where the person coughs <laughs> in my face. That's the trade-off. <laughs> I think a delicious what banana... Are do- what are they doing to the bananas if they're coughing on Sean, people? Sean, stand down, soldier. A delicious banana where the shopkeeper coughs in your face when you buy it is still better. It's still a better banana than the banana where the banana isn't as good, but the shopkeeper remembers your name and gives it to you for free. Yeah, but maybe I want to support his his... Oh, he's giving it to me for free. When you left your house, you said, I want a banana. Yeah. You didn't say, I want to have an amicable relationship with a uh, commercial staff member in my local area. Okay. Right, so you're essentially arguing to have no standards. Like, oh, I want a friend, so I'm just going to go hang out with this homeless heroin addict because he's desperate and he'll he'll give me the time of day and maybe he's nice to me. What are you saying about yourself, Harry, in this in this banana analogy? You should um, you should hold your hold your shop people to a higher standard. You're the, also, you're, you're, this you're contributing enough? to the spread of disease. If you think that it's socially acceptable to commercially reward coughing on people with repeated custom, 
then you are contributing to many other problems in society. Okay, such I'm as a, disease. I'm about and to hit not, you out of the ballpark. And it's not and it's not adults who suffer from being coughed on, it's children who die from things like you know colds, right? So you you you, we've got you've fences, picked up the ball and you've run the opposite you've got, done a forest gump and you were going got, the opposite direction, if mate. If we've got fences around our rivers and we need to have rules about not buying bananas from shops where people cough on you. Alright, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put this one to bed right now. To say that a restaurant was bad because the service was bad, and therefore you didn't enjoy your meal, is the equivalent of saying, Yeah, I went on, I went on this holiday all across Europe. It was four weeks long. We did all the great stuff. So all the great cities had amazing food, met some amazing people. But it sucked because the flight center staff member no. who sold me the trip coughed. I'll give you a better analogy. It's like if you have a girlfriend who's really, really hot uh, and you have amazing sex with her, but she cheats on you. So it's so you just ignore the cheating because the other stuff is good. This is this is this is the same disregard for your own rights to be respected ignoring service is a bit is basically giving future partners permission to cheat on you is there a correlation well it's 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 a sign that you're willing to to value the product over the or and ignore everything else as if, as if the, the, the reason for this, for your purpose of being there, is the only criteria for success. But what if it is? Well, then you, what, you, you, just said, you just said the example that the sex was amazing, everything was going well, but. You're but just going to ignore everything else. <coughs> what if you've got everything you've needed there? Well, I guess you can go ahead and do that. But it's not something I would do. I guess it's all. Is that something you These do? are the big is existential is questions. Is that something that you do? No. Right. Well, why do you do it in restaurants? So, I th- oh, can we at least strike a deal here? Then, when it comes to restaurant reviewing and telling your mates whether you like the restaurant or not, yeah. nine out of the ten points should be assessed on how the food was, and maybe one point, give or take, on uh, you know for the service. Well, certainly no more than one point five. No, because you need to leave space for other things. You need to leave space for price. You need to leave space for the atmosphere. Oh, come on. We're gonna, are we going to give lighting a, we're gonna give lighting a whole point and the food gets about four points. So lighting is the food, 20. The food deserves six points. Six points. Seven. This is one of the most controversial segments we've ever had on this show. <laughs> Seven points. Seven, Seven points. points for the food, one point for the lighting, or even, or one even, point for the service, one point for the decor. Or even it's it's kind of like, you know, what what they say about like bad sex in a relationship. If it's if it's okay, if it works, if the sex works, it's like twenty percent of importance. But if it doesn't work, it's eighty percent. So if the service is you know adequate, then it's not even a factor. If it's just I don't even notice what this person's doing to me. But if I get bad service, if they're rude to me or something, then it's a hundred percent. It's all ten points. This is one of those moments in life where you simply shake hands and say, I agree to disagree, and then you squeeze the person's hand, and then you grit your teeth, <laughs> and then you cough in their Harry, face. Let me ask you, is there, is there, if it's only one point, is there something, is there no line that the waiter can't cross before you would just say, I'm not going back there? Sure. If, they, if they spit in your food in front of you, but it's delicious, are you going to... Give it a good review. Oh, well, you know, 9 out of 10 because the food was delicious. Shame they spat my meal. Okay, well, if we're going to go Coogee Bay, Bay Hotel, um, late 2000s, there was a great incident where there was a family dining there and they complained about the food and they said, okay, we'll give you free ice cream. And the chef literally took a dump <laughs> in a on the plate <laughs> and put some ice cream with it they they quite literally ate this man's feces <laughs> then we'd say maybe service comes into it yeah maybe service does account for at least three of the ten points well I'm glad that we've gotten you to make this concession 
and uh, and that's but only where it, someone no, takes because, a dump on the because, plate. No, because here's the thing: if it could count for three, if it tasted good, what's no, the issue? No, because if it's <laughs> because it's if, all about the food, Sean. Because if that food was perfect, then that restaurant would still get seven out of ten by your three-point standard. I think it's a little more complex than this. I think there are there are factors which will result in you never going back there. And bad service is um, is is a is a very wide category. Sean, you're talking like I haven't had a girlfriend before and gone to cafes literally every weekend. I've had all kinds of service. <laughs> and never once did I say that one cafe was particularly better than the other one based on service. Service, Sean. If a bus gets you from A to B quickly, all right? This is a good example. I need to get to QPAC urgently. There is a Russian pianist. <clears throat> pianist. Um, on at eight. And I need to get there in five minutes. I get on a bus driver. I say, good afternoon, bus driver. He goes, huh? <coughs> I sit down. But I'm there in five minutes. I would take that much more than getting on a bus when I've got five minutes to get to QPAC and I go, good afternoon, bus driver. And he says, what a lovely afternoon. Harry, it's good to see you back on uh, Brisbane City Council buses. Um, you are a, you are a champ. Make yourself at home. Here, here's um, a All free right. Sunday well, you've got to see, uh, on the house. And then to, I get there 10 minutes late. You've got to see your Russian pianist at eight, uh, but you want to get some Pianist! Food, but you want to get some food first. So you go to a restaurant and, you know, it's... Seven o'clock. You think you've got time to eat your meal and then get to the restaurant. But you're sitting there for 20 minutes before uh, the waiter takes your order because there's bad service there. But if you'd gone to a restaurant with inferior food um, but a good waiter who was quick and kind and delivered you the things you wanted quickly, then you um, would make the Russian pianist and would forget that the meal wasn't perfect. But you wouldn't forget if you missed it. Let's ask the boys from MasterChef. Mm. Yeah, I'm great, isn't it? How easy is that? So yeah, that didn't help at all. God damn. <laughs> Always eating. Get planet.